Turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4. I love being in a meeting where we hear about what God is doing. Wasn't that fantastic this morning to begin our time by hearing stories from people about what God is doing in their lives? Salvation. Physical healing. People being restored who've walked away from God and now are giving their lives back to Him. Provision of houses. Answers to prayer. God even answers the prayers of children. You're not too young to pray. Never too old to pray. People being baptized in the Holy Spirit. All of these things are evidence to us that God is on the move. And that his kingdom has come. The kingdom of God, the rule and reign and power of God has come into this time-space world. And healing and salvation and deliverance and restoration is all evidence to us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. And that his kingdom is here and is on the increase. The rule and reign of Jesus Christ is here in Cardiff today. And I had the privilege of sharing the word of God with you about a month or so ago. And I read a scripture that I'd like us just to look at before uh, we get into today's message. So if you're new this morning, you're getting like two messages for the price of one. And seeing as how the first message is free, it's two for the price of a free one. So there we go. Verse 26 of Mark 4 says, the kingdom of God is like this. Jesus said, a man scatters seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he doesn't know how. The soil produces a crop by itself, first the blade, then the head, and then the ripe grain on the head. But as soon as the crop is ready, he sends for the sickle because the harvest has come. And Jesus said, how can we illustrate the kingdom of God or what parable can we use to describe it? It's like a mustard seed that when sown in the soil is smaller than all the seeds on the ground. And when sown, it comes up and grows taller than all the vegetables and produces large branches on the, so that the birds of the sky can nest in its shade. The kingdom of God is on the increase. The kingdom of God is a seed sown in the ground that grows. We do not know how it grows, but it grows. In other words, there is nothing you and I can do to stop it growing. There's nothing that you and I can do to prevent the kingdom of God advancing. I shared with you last time a story about my little daughter who's five years old who has decided that she doesn't want to grow up. She's five and she's decided that's the way she wants to stay. So she said, Daddy, I've made a decision. I'm not going to grow up. I'm going to stay this age and stay this size for the rest of my life. Well, I checked in with her this week, and it's still the same. Still doesn't want to grow up. She got a a new dress this week. She got a new Disney princess dress. And when I shared with her that this was great, but we could even keep it for when her little sister has grown up so she could wear it, I was met with a look that told me (laughs) there was no way she was getting any bigger. This dress was hers, and it was staying hers. She's not getting any older. But you know, 
doesn't matter how much she wants to say five years old. It doesn't matter how much she wants to say the size she is or the shape she is. She is destined to grow up. We're all destined to grow. We're all destined to get older. You know, 10 years ago, I was a student at Cardiff University. And now today, I'm married with three children. I have a mortgage. I drive a people carrier. I have a roof box and a boarded loft. You know, my wife and I used to get excited about going out to concerts and eating at nice restaurants, and now we get excited about, you know, B&Q sales (laughs) and nights in on the sofa. (laughs) You know, we've got older. We're not older in God because the spirit within us hasn't aged a day. But we're older in years, and none of us can prevent the aging process. None of us can stop us growing and, and, and getting older, and you can't prevent the kingdom of God advancing. We could devote the rest of our lives to trying to stop Jesus ruling and reigning, and we would just be standing in the way of a freight train. We would have no hope in heaven or on earth of being able to stop God's rule and reign being extended. But that doesn't mean that we have nothing to do. That doesn't mean that we just kind of sit by passively doing nothing while we let God just get on with all the work. Jesus says... He is pleased to give us the kingdom. Jesus says again and again, the kingdom of God belongs to you. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who recognize their need for God because the kingdom of God belongs to them. In other words, the kingdom of God is something that is advancing. It is the rule and reign and power of God that's on the increase. But it is something that God not only wants us to receive, but God wants us to take hold of and advance where we are. You see, I cannot stop the kingdom of God advancing, but I can play my part to see it advance where I live and where I work and in my family and amongst my friends. And so although last time I told you there's nothing we can do to stop the kingdom of God growing, this morning I want to talk to you about Jesus wanting us to seek first that kingdom. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, please. The kingdom of God has come and is coming The kingdom of God is something that we are to receive like children, but the kingdom of God is also something that God wants us to actively seek and pursue. Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent men take hold of it. Matthew 6, we're going to read some verses from Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start reading in verse 24. Verse 24 of Matthew 6 says, No one can be a slave of two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot be slaves of God and of money. This is why I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you worth more than they? 
Can any of you add a single cubit to his height by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Learn how the wild flowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the idolaters eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. Now, first means first. My son, um, at the moment, understands very much what first means. You see, it doesn't matter what we're doing, whether we're getting into the car, whether we're climbing up the stairs or going down the stairs, whether we're getting up for food at the table, whether we're doing anything at all, he has to be first. And he's willing to go to quite dramatic lengths to make sure he's first. It doesn't matter if daddy's in the way or mummy's in the way or if sister's in the way or baby's in the way. He is going to be first. He's going to push you if he has to. He's going to gently slide by you if he has to because he wants to get wherever we're going first. If he could have driven the car to the meeting this morning, he would have done so. Because he wants to be first. Now, he's got some lessons to learn. Don't worry, leave that with me. But he understands this very simple mathematical principle. First means first. First does not mean second. I don't have a math degree, by the way, but that's true. First doesn't mean second. First doesn't mean third or fourth or fifth. First doesn't mean one amongst many. First doesn't mean joint first with many, many other priorities. First means first. Just say that with me. First means first. I don't know how you organize your life or prioritize your time. Maybe you have one of the millions of to-do list apps on your phone or iPad or computer. Maybe you have a chalkboard in your kitchen. Maybe you have a paper diary. I don't know how you organize your life, but if you have a to-do list, then the kingdom of God is the first item on that list. The kingdom of God is not something I seek when I've got all the things that I want to do out of the way. Instead, I seek first the kingdom of God in everything I do. So as T said this morning, in my employment where I work, I work unto the Lord. Because I'm looking to extend his kingdom in the office or the store or the company or the school where I work. Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything you need will be provided for you. I'm going to focus on the phrase, seek first his kingdom. I think someone else is going to talk about his righteousness another time. But this morning, I want to talk to you about seeking first the kingdom of God. Makes life simple, isn't it? What are you going to do today, James? Well, I was going to seek first the kingdom. I've got a few other things I need to do. Shall I do those first? No. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God. 
Now, Jesus says, don't worry, but seek first the kingdom. Jesus says, here are a few things you don't need to do anymore so that you can seek first the kingdom. There are lots of don'ts in the Bible. Did you know that? Full of of really handy don'ts. Here's a really useful don't, Ephesians chapter 5. Don't get drunk. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Any of you going out to Freshers Fairs, students this week, don't get drunk. Be filled with the Spirit. In fact, don't leave here today without being filled with the Holy Spirit. So we're going to walk our way through some of Jesus' don'ts so that we can be more effective to seek first his kingdom. Why are we doing this? Because God has spoken to us this year that what he is currently doing will only seem like a cloud the size of a man's hand in comparison with what he's going to be doing. We had 20 minutes of testimonies this morning. In days and weeks and months to come, we might have to have two hours. Two days of testimonies because of all that God is doing. So are you ready to be more equipped and better able to seek first his kingdom? Okay. If you serve God and seek first his kingdom, you do not need to be worried about your life. Worry, and the Greek word for worry that's here, means to be distracted. It means to draw in different directions. So Jesus is saying, don't be distracted, but seek first my kingdom. God has a priority for you in your life, and it's his kingdom. And Satan wants to give you things and put things in your life that distract you from seeking first his kingdom. Worry is an enemy of faith. Worry is rooted in fear. You see, there is no worry in God. And God wants there to be no worry in you. Worry is a thief. You can't get the time back that you spent worrying. And Jesus says you can't make yourself any taller or any older or your life any longer by worrying. In 2007, a study was done in the United Kingdom and they found that 3 million people had an anxiety disorder. 7% of all adults were on some form of antidepressant. In 2012, they did another study and found that 40% of all new claims of disability benefit were for people suffering from mental illnesses, and anxiety and depression were the two most common. Now, I'm not here to make any comments on mental illness or government policy or anything like that, but we must face the fact we live in a society where people are crippled with anxiety and worry and fear. And Jesus has the perfect solution. It's called the kingdom of God. We live in a society filled with anxiety and worry. People would call this the age of anxiety or the day of distraction. But God has a cure, and that's that we would seek first his kingdom. You see, for you and for me, these are not days of worry. These are days of wonder. These aren't times of anxiety. These are times of adventure. So don't get distracted. So here's the first thing Jesus says. Don't serve another master. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Don't serve another master. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 24, that no one can be a slave of two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or to be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and serve money. 
What does it mean to serve God? It means to love him and to be devoted to him. But Jesus uses a word here for money, which is mammon, which means money, wealth, and possessions. It literally means the treasure a person trusts in. You can only serve God properly if you trust him fully. Okay? We cannot serve God and trust something or someone else more than we trust God. It's that simple. If we are going to seek first the kingdom, we have to trust the king of that kingdom. And as Sally sang to us this morning, he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. As Dave exhorted us from the scriptures, he is the one from whom our help comes from. He is the one we can trust. You can only serve God properly if you trust him fully. Make the decision today that you trust God. You see, people in the world worry because they don't know God. People in the church worry because they don't trust God. Worry is the prerogative of an atheist. Why do I need to worry if I know God? What on earth is coming my way today that he doesn't know about? So Jesus says, first of all, don't serve other masters. The second thing he says is this, don't worry. Look at Matthew 6.25. Matthew 6.25. This is why I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Your body, what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? You see, when God first created this world, he created all that we can see, the plants, the animals, the birds in the seas. And on the final day of creation, he created man. And he created man because he had a purpose for man, to fill the earth with people in right relationship with God. So when Adam came into the world, he was in a world filled with provision. Everything he was ever going to need to fulfill the task that God had given him, God had already provided. But when Adam and Eve sinned and they lost their relationship with God, they became provision-minded instead of purpose-minded. But when you come into right relationship with God, you never need to worry about provision ever again. If you seek first the kingdom, Jesus promises everything you need will be provided. James, do you mean everything? I mean, and the Bible means, and Jesus means everything. Let's just take an example of what we heard this morning. Kez and Lester came forward and shared a testimony. They have a baby on the way. They need a home. They are seeking first the kingdom of God. God says, well, I mean, it's only a house. It's not really that spiritual or important. No, no, no. He looks at a couple and says, here are people made in my image, in right relationship with me, who are seeking first my kingdom. They need a home to continue advancing my kingdom. I will provide. You do not need to worry about provision if you are seeking first the kingdom. Food, clothes, Shelter will be provided when you need them if you are seeking first the kingdom. Someone asked us this week, are you stockpiling food? 
Are you um, keeping water safe in case there's an emergency? Do you have an escape route from the city where you live in in case something happens? No. We're seeking first the kingdom. I'm not worried about the future because I know it's in his hands. Don't worry. Don't be distracted by temporary needs when you are on this earth for an eternal purpose. You don't need to worry about your children or your grandchildren. They're they're under the covenant of God. Don't need to worry about student university places or school places. You can trust God. He is in control. This ain't theory, folks. This is not theory. If you seek first the kingdom, everything you need to advance that kingdom will be provided. So Jesus says, don't serve other masters. Don't worry. And here's a big one that I believe the Holy Spirit wants to dig deep into us this morning. Don't believe you're unimportant. Matthew 6, verse 26. This, by the way, is a biblical evidence for why we should all go on nature walks. Okay? Look at the birds. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. So outside this afternoon, everyone, the sun is shining. Go and have a look at the birds because you are worth more than they. Do you understand God... Our Father is sustaining all of creation right now. Elsewhere, Jesus says, a sparrow doesn't fall from the sky without God knowing it. He is in control of everything that you can see right now. He is providing food for the birds, shelter for the animals. He is controlling it all. And you are even more important than they. So why would God, your Father, who loves you, who sent His Son to die for you, who restored you to right relationship with Him, who came to live in you by his Holy Spirit, who has given you a purpose and a plan that only you can achieve, why would he suddenly ignore you when you're in need, when you're a vital part in the advancing of his kingdom? My friends, do not live a day longer believing you're unimportant. You matter to God. Turn to the person next to you and say, you matter to God. That's why our friends Josiah and Josiah could come forward this morning, 10, 11 years old, 11, 12 years old, whatever they are, and say, we prayed that God would put us in the same form. And God didn't think, well, I'll answer their prayers when they're 15. I'll answer their prayers when they're 18. No, 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 no. Jesus says that the kingdom of God belongs to children like them. Jesus doesn't think, well, it's not that, I mean, it doesn't really matter what school they're in. I mean, school's not that important anyway. It's only school. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's not ministry or anything. No, 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 no. God is concerned that every area of your life reflects his nature and his purpose and extends his kingdom. There are things for those boys to do in that school. That's why God put them there. Why do I work in this office? Why do I get the, have to get this bus to work every day? Why do I live on this street? Because God has prepared good works for you to do in advance. 
And everything you need to achieve that, he will provide. Do you really believe that? It's not only that I believe it, I know it. Ten years ago, I came into a meeting just like this. And um, on the Monday morning, I needed £3,000 to pay for my master's at Cardiff University. And I didn't have a penny. And I had a £20 note in my pocket. And I put it in the offering, believing that whatever a man sows, that he'll also reap. I also believe God wanted me to do the master's. And therefore, it was in his hands whether or not, not whether or not, that he would provide. Walked back to my seat after the offering and a man said, I'm going to give you £2,000. Then the next day, another man came to me and said, I'm going to give you £3,000. Now, I had all the money I needed to pay for my master's. But what I didn't know and what God did, did know was that that year I was going to meet a lady and we'd need some money for an engagement ring and for things for our wedding and so on and so forth. And the Lord provided out of the money I received to pay for my master's and to start us on our married life. You see, you think you know your needs, but God really knows your needs. And you matter to him. You are a vessel in his hand. You are a tool for his kingdom. You are a child that he loves. You matter to God. So, don't serve other masters. Don't worry. Don't believe you're unimportant. And here's the next one Jesus says. Don't speak negatively. Matthew 6, verse 31. I know these are simple, these are obvious, but I like simple. It works in life. Okay, Matthew 6, verse 31. Jesus says, so don't worry saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? Worry gets into your speech. Worry gets into your confession. I know what you worry about by what you speak about. The kingdom of God cannot be advanced by people who constantly speak negatively. Because life and death are in the power of the tongue. Because as we've been taught as a church over 10, maybe 15 years, there is a power in confession that God wants his people to know and enjoy. If God created the world by speaking, then there is something creative in every word you and I speak Words are not first and foremost a means of communication. They're a means of creation. So every time you speak out a worry, you're creating a future for you, contrary to God's future for you. So don't speak out your worries. Speak out his promises. Don't speak out your fears. Speak out his facts. So when you face a challenge with a neighbor, you can say, Lord, I thank you that you put me on this street to be a blessing to everybody on the street. When you face a challenge in your workplace, you can say, thank you, Lord, you've put me in this workplace to extend your kingdom. When you face a challenge in terms of provision, you say, Lord, I thank you that you've told me to seek first your kingdom and everything I need will be provided. Put the promises of God on your lips and they will work in your life. See, our mission on earth is to seek first and extend the kingdom of God. We're not here to play church. We're not here just to come to meetings. None of you seen how nice it is outside today? We are here to extend the kingdom of God. So Jesus says, don't do these things so that you can seek first my kingdom. 
So what does it mean to seek first the kingdom? Well, first and foremost, it means this. Seeking first the kingdom of God means seeking first the king of that kingdom. Jesus Christ has the first place in our lives. He has the first affection of our hearts. He is first. He is number one. It means that we seek it. Which means that we actively go after, pursue, and desire his kingdom. I don't fit his kingdom into my schedule. His kingdom is my schedule. And it means that I seek it first. I can only have one priority, and that priority is the king and the kingdom. Now, if this all sounds a little costly, turn with me to Matthew 13. If this all sounds a little boring, let me take you to Matthew 13. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. So I'm going to do that because he's told me to. But we're about to find out what we find when we seek first the kingdom. Matthew 13 and verse 44. Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl, he went, sold everything he had and bought it. Jesus says that the kingdom of heaven is like treasure. It's like a fine pearl. The kingdom of heaven is such a treasure that when you find it and you look at it and you see it, you look at everything that you already have and you look back at that treasure and you look back at all the things you already have and you look back at that treasure and you look again at all the things that you have and you think to yourself, now, this treasure is worth more than everything I already have. But I would give up everything I already have for that treasure. This is such treasure that everything in my life up to this point suddenly seems worthless. And I would give it all away just for that treasure. It's like a pearl that I've been looking for. And when I find it, nothing else in life compares with the thought of possessing that pearl. That's what the kingdom of God is like. The kingdom is the greatest treasure you and I will ever know.
And it's not something that's been put off for eternity or left for another group of people. As we've heard this morning, the kingdom of God has come and is coming where we are. The kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy in the spirit. Not merely words of talking, but dynamis of power is treasure that makes everything else in life seem insignificant. It makes everything else in life transitory and unimportant because all I want is this treasure and I want everything in my life to be involved in that treasure. I want everything in my life to be involved with possessing that treasure and taking hold of that treasure and sharing that treasure with everyone I know because how could I keep such a treasure to myself? It suddenly puts a spring in your step. might make you set the alarm clock a little bit earlier. suddenly fills our days with, with purpose and passion. It makes every single activity in life have meaning. The cleaning of a bathroom. The stewarding of finance. The writing of an essay. The changing of a child's nappy. Serving on a rotor in a church family. Meeting with sons of God for fellowship. Sharing the gospel with a friend in a coffee shop. It makes all these things have an eternal meaning because you know they are advancing the treasure that is in you that you want more than anything else in your life. All of life has meaning. We're not just living for Christmas or working for the holiday or surviving till the weekend, but every moment of every day has eternal purpose because we have found the greatest treasure and we have given our all to be involved in that kingdom. That's what Jesus means when he says, seek first his kingdom. There is never a day of drudgery or a day of boredom in the kingdom of God. Serving is only a delight and never a chore in the kingdom of God. It's easy to love in the kingdom of God. It's easy to worship in the kingdom of God. It's easy to reach your neighbor in the kingdom of God. It's easy to be part of building the church in the kingdom of God. So, what do we do next? How do we put this into practice? What's your life going to look like this week? Because you're seeking first the kingdom of God. I would love to give you an exhaustive list. But all week, I just had one phrase going round and round in my mind. And we find it in John chapter 2. If you want to seek first the kingdom of God this day, this week, this month, this season in your life, if you want to continually find the treasure that is incomparable with anything else, then for us it's going to mean this, obedience. 
it's going to mean obedience. Because Jesus is a king. He's not a constitutional monarch. He's not like the queen of the United Kingdom, with all due respect to her. He's a king. With absolute rule and absolute authority, he is the Lord. And if you are eager to seek first the kingdom, then we're going to be like servants in a story in John chapter 2. Let's just find John chapter 2. Verse 1 says, On the third day a wedding took place in Cana of Galilee. And Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding as well. And when they ran out of wine, Jesus' mother told him, They don't have any wine. What has this concern of yours to do with me? Jesus asked, my hour has not yet come. And his mother told the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. If you are serious about seeking first and extending the kingdom of God, then this is what it's going to mean for me and for you. Whatever he tells us to do, we do it. It's not this, whatever he tells you to do, you hear it. Which is how I've lived many times. I heard you, Lord. Yes, but you didn't do. It's whatever he tells you to do, do it. So I want to give you a moment now with the Lord, just you and the Lord. I want you to reflect on what you've heard this morning, not merely as I've taught you the scriptures, but as God spoke to us through prophetic word earlier on as you heard testimonies as we enjoyed his presence in worship and just let the Holy Spirit speak into your heart what is he telling you to do what's he telling you to do just listen for his voice under the prompting of his Holy Spirit When you've heard him and you know that you are ready to do what he's told you, just stand to your feet and then we're going to pray. So when you know you've heard him and you know what he's telling you to do, stand to your feet. There's no rush, there's no pressure. trying to hype anybody or cajole anyone this morning but if you're here this morning you know God is telling you to do something and you've heard him and you are ready and willing to obey him just stand to your feet if you want to close your eyes if you want to lift your hands to him you just stay in a place of sensitivity and obedience to to your Lord Here we are, Lord, and we say, let your kingdom come and let your will be done on earth as in heaven. We seek you first, Lord Jesus, and we seek your kingdom. And we know this morning that you've spoken into our hearts that there are things for us to do. And like the servants at the wedding, we will gladly do 
what you've told us to do. We thank you for what you are already doing, where we live and where we work. We thank you for the testimonies we've heard this morning of salvation and healing and restoration. But we thank you, Lord, that whenever we obey your promptings, you move in in power. And so we can confidently expect an ever-increasing cycle of salvation and healing and restoration because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, we pray in your name. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as in heaven. Amen. 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 God bless you.